Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And tonight we reach the end of Series 1 of The Avengers. It's Dragon's Field. This was Episode 26 of the initial run. With this, we've already said goodbye to Dr. Keel. He doesn't appear in this one, neither does Carol. It's a Steed Alone episode. Dr. Exton, do you have a precy for us? A precy, again taken from Dave Rogers' Ultimate Avengers. Work on new material to shield astronauts from radiation is nearing completion at a government research centre, but there are saboteurs about and complicated relationships in the research team suggest a traitor in their midst. Saunders from security decides to uncover the gang. Steed, meanwhile, having volunteered to act as a guinea pig in the radiation experiment and having got wind of Saunders' activities, saves him from being killed. With the saboteurs placed in custody, the traitor is unmasked as Susan Summers, assistant to Dr. Alford, one of the research team. Steed neutralises Summers' final fling by rescuing two members of the team from certain death. Isolation chamber sealed. Begin depressurization. Reducing air pressure by 5%. Thoracic band tightening. Take pressure down another 5. Something's not right. His heart rate's going berserk. At just 90. The band motor's making a lot of noise for 10% down. That sounds close to maximum contraction. It's malfunctioned. Or being sabotaged. It'll be crushing his ribs. Switch it off, now. The controls aren't responding. Then just cut the power. We can't risk it. The sudden pressure changes. We don't have a choice. If we don't intervene immediately, his chest could cave in. I'm pulling the plug. Get in there and see to him. Sabotage. Someone wanted... Whoever did this test, dead. You mean me? Or Dr. Olford. I think someone's very keen you don't spot the problem with your shielding calculations, Doctor. I think it's vital you track the fault down. Well, this was recorded on the 13th of September 1961 and transmitted on the 30th of December 1961 in the ABC Midlands, North Anglia, ATV, Southern, Time Tees, Television Western Wales, Ulster, Westwood, Border and Grampian regions. The only one that didn't was Scotland, Scottish TV. This is another lost episode and it's the final missing Avengers episode. We're moving completely to video from now on. There's no footage of any kind. There is a video reconstruction on the Studio Canal box sets and Big Finish have done an audio reconstruction on their Lost Episodes Volume 7 range, which is written by Ian Potter from a script by Terence Feely. There's no script available, although, now this is taken from Piers Johnson's splendid website, Mrs. Peel Were Needed, uh, it says that they do have Herbert Nelson's contract, 
which stated the recording and rehearsal dates, as well as the production order. This was recorded as episode 23 of the run, even though it was transmitted as 26. There are 151 publicity stills and 82 telesnaps. Now, minutiae-wise, Ian Henry, as I've said, doesn't appear in this episode, as he was off filming Afternoon of the Nymph for Armchair Theatre. Which survives. It does. I've not seen it, but I believe that does survive. That's one of the uh, surviving episodes. I've seen it, and it's pretty good. It's one I'm going to have to dig out now, because I've uh, developed a little bit of a fascination with Ian Henry's career. You've sent me a splendid book called The Yo-Yo Life of Ian Henry. That's an autobiography, or a biography of him. And it sounds like he had quite a a peppered career. So I'm going to have to hunt down a few more performances by him. Uh, Leonard White didn't, the producer, he didn't really want to release him from the end of the series, uh, but he agreed as long as only one episode was affected. And this is the only one that he doesn't appear in, although he's still giving star billing. Again, there's a note here that says, given the similar plots and settings, it seems likely that this episode shared sets and props with the deadly air. And that's not the first time that's been noted. This was broadcast at 10pm on the 30th of December. Do you have any alumni for us? Um, Actually, yeah, there are quite a lot of alumni in this. Keith Barron, in one of his very earliest roles, will go on to play Captain Striker in Enlightenment and turn up in The New Avengers. He was also a regular in The Odd Man and It's Dark Outside. And then, I'm afraid, would end up in Duty Free. Eric Dodson, who we've previously seen in The Yellow Needle, <laughs> will go on to play the headman in The Visitation and was the regular character of Pomeroy in Rumpole of the Bailey. Ronald Lee Hunt will play Radner in The Seeds of Death and Stevenson in The Revenge of the Cybermen, was the longest-running regular character of Colonel Buchan in The Freewheelers and will appear in one more episode of The Avengers. Morris Perry, we've previously seen in The Tunnel of Fear and will appear in one more episode of The Avengers and will play Dent in Colony in Space. Michael Robbins will appear twice more in The Avengers, uh, will play Richard Mace in The Visitation, and was the regular character of Throttle in Fairly Secret Army alongside an awful lot of comedy roles throughout the 70s and 80s. Stephen Scott played Kebble in The Power of the Daleks, we've seen him previously in One for the Mortuary, and will turn up twice more in The Avengers. Barbara Shelley will play Sarasta in Plant of Fire, um, she turns up once more in The Avengers, and plays the character of Barbara in the Quatermass and the Pit film. Alfred Burke was the series lead in Public Eye and will turn up uh, in a further episode of The Avengers alongside Sylvia Langover, who is in one more episode of The Avengers. And she's actually in the same episode as um, one of Alfred Burke's The Mauritius Penny that we'll be coming on to in a few weeks time. Herbert Peters will appear in two more episodes of The Avengers. Well, coming on to the episode itself... Obviously, we have gone for the big finish version for this podcast. What do we think? Bear in mind, this is an original drama based on the script, so it's been written from scratch. But what were your impressions of this? I'll go with you first. I really enjoyed this one. It, to my mind, sits kind of halfway between the almost amateurish stuff of Dr. Keel and a fairly what appears to be a fairly shoestring department that Steed is in. But with this, his department is made to look a lot bigger. There's 115 coming in as well as 110. They're talking about having art experts on tap. And it just comes across as a, a much bigger and slicker organization. And that's kind of a really nice lead in to the, the more typically spy stuff of the second series. 
I've got to agree with all of that. I really, yeah. really enjoyed this one. And you've always spoken quite highly of Dragonfield without giving any plot points away. So I came into it a little bit blind, but with a, a minor preconception. I wasn't disappointed. I, I was gripped by this one for an hour. Plot-wise, I thought it was very similar to Death on the Slipway. Um, I can see where you're coming from with that, yeah. It was Steed going in and, and investigating a traitor somewhere in a government research facility with a lot of... A lot of Cold War stuff and an enemy agent pulling the, the strings behind the, the scenes. I thought there were a lot of similarities with Death on the Slipway. And I think at the time that we did Death on the Slipway, I, I was saying this is kind of the way things will come on with the Cathy Gale. Yeah, you did say that. The one thing I will say is the characters in this were very rounded. All the characters had their own story going on. So there was the love triangle thing. There was the security guard that was quite determined to be his own little secret agent. In fact, there were a lot of him that I thought, that was sort of the keel role, wasn't it? He was the second investigator in all this, to the point where he even gets kidnapped and tied up and interrogated at one point. Yes, he was filling the, the sidekick role. Mm. But the pretty young technician, who in my head was like Molly from Sherlock, the fawning over the lead scientist and wanting there to be something going on between them, wearing very tight-fitting clothes and refusing to get out of the skin-tight space suit that was clearly showing off her ass. But they, were, they all had their own story going on. They all had their own motives to the point where, although they were all suspects, and you didn't, I didn't actually know who it was going to be. I suspected all of them at one point. It was a bit Murder on the Orient Express. But character-wise, you don't see that level of development or that level of analysis into what the motives are in a lot of stuff, particularly like this. That was the one thing that came across to me. Maybe it was a bit different for you, but you'd expect this from an Agatha Christie and not from a, a bit of hour-long TV from the 60s. Yeah, I can, I can get the, the Agatha Christie thing. And compared to an awful lot of the Avengers episodes that we've seen, where it's blindingly obvious from the very beginning <laughs> exactly who the bad guy is going to be. Yeah, I thought it was well written, well plotted. I was a bit disappointed that the first female murderer that they have, so the, the first real female villain, okay, we've had Stella before in Hunt the Man Down, and... Oh, what was the character's name in The Yellow Needle? Oh, I can never remember. But anyway, we've, yeah. we've had a couple of female vill villains before, but Susan was the first actual female murderer that we've had. And her motivation changes completely as soon as she's caught. Now, whether it's it's angling for sympathy or whatever, but it was, poor me, I'm just a girl and I've been caught up in all this. Oh, dearie, dear. Um, and yeah, that could have been her. That could have been her being entirely cynical and and wanting to to play on the the sympathy card. But that didn't really come across in the performance. It was just a. I was just trying to get ahead, and yeah, that was the only bit that kind of stuck a little bit because up until that, you could have believed her as as scheming. Well, I I actually thought that it was going to turn out to be her because of all the scheming that was going on, but skillfully done, red herring. I thought. There wasn't an obvious choice for the antagonist, and I was—I did quite like that. I like being wrong-footed by something. And yeah, and it's about the first time we've come across that where you could actually say there was a degree of mystery about it. Mm, 
In fairness, yes, there has been a lot of moustache twirling, to be honest, ineptitude in a lot of the cases from the villains. Oh, some of them have been utterly dreadful. The Deadly Air. Oh, no, not the Deadly Air, the Far Distant Dead. Far Distant Dead. Um, (laughs) Zeebrugger, God alone knows how he managed to to stay alive and in business for as long as he did, because he was utterly inept. Whereas Susan came across as pretty competent. Just everything about it, even down to the the whole point of what the research lab was there for and what they were working on and the space suit. And they'd gone into the mechanics of what even the layers, the different layers of the space suit and how they worked. And you think it's not just we've got this MacGuffin that's there to hang the plot on. This is how the thing works. Now, whether or not that's the big finish version, we'll never know because there's no original script. But either way, it fits well, very we well. we will when it's time. recovered. Oh, we can live in hope. We can live in hope. Should we rate this in Masterminds? Watch out diabolical Masterminds. Go on, how many out of five? I'm quite torn on this one. But seeing as the only negative thing I've been able to come out with is a fairly minor quibble about a character's motivation right at the end... I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to concur. Of all the ones in the first series, and I've always said that I'm going to try and rate them out of five per series, there's this and one for the mortuary. Uh, Those are the standouts for me. I really like this. And considering it's not an original script, it's a tick for Big Finish and the writer Ian Potter. So well done on that. Yeah. Uh, a really, really cracking episode. It had me properly engaged all the way through it. I think now that we've come to an end of it, we have to say a big well done to Big Finish. Um, I think they've they've done this brilliantly. I would love to see them tackle other missing episodes of uh, classic TV series. Adam Adamant Lives would be another great one. I mean, there's plenty of stuff out there that there is completely missing, or we've got one or two surviving episodes that you've you've got the hook for so things we've watched things like the rat catchers or night errant or something like that Uh, i mean how big an audience they'd have for those i don't know and for things like that how much you'd have in terms of scripts i mean they the bbc has quite a big written archive i don't know whether whether itv has the same yeah generally speaking the bbc are better at it than pretty much anyone else i mean having said that next week we have a little bit of a treat because our next episode is a full interview with dave rogers who is the de facto archivist of the avengers certainly the early stuff and he goes into a lot of detail about what he discovered in the archive and it's fascinating. You're in for a treat next week, boys and girls. This is one of the best things we've ever recorded. I'm hugely looking forward to this. I haven't heard it yet, and I'm really, really looking forward to, listen to listening to it. It was an hour spent on the phone with an absolutely fascinating man, and it just flew by, and a very erudite man as well. Let's put it this way. Of the recording that I made, there were barely any edits to it in the end for gaps, ums and ahs. It was just a complete free-flowing interview. Yep, you're in for a treat there. But I've got a second what Simon said about Big Finish. My first love is always going to be their Doctor Who stuff. 
I think they've done a marvellous job with that on audio, taking it in directions. Bear in mind that within each doctor, they've only got certain parameters. They've stretched those about as far as they can reasonably go without shattering the cannon. With the Avengers, they've taken something which... It's quite an ask to reconstruct something that doesn't exist and there are no scripts for. And there's a lot of research and effort gone into making these as good as they possibly can be. In, as we found, at least one example where the audio version is in fact better than the TV version, which I never thought I'd hear Dr. Exton say. Uh, but yes. I think they did, they did a brilliant job of that. Um, I think they've done well with everything that they've done so far for all i've said that i th i think it was a mistake to to restage the ones that exist i think they did a good job of doing it oh absolutely i, I just think it was a mistake to to do it in the first place yeah we have different views on this but this is where we kiss goodbye to big finish they have done a lot of other avengers stuff They've done a full series of comic strip adaptations. We're not intending to cover those at this point, although the very last episode of this range that we're doing, and bear in mind, we're several years off yet, we are going to cover Too Many Targets, which is an audio play by Dave Rogers, which features all the characters from the Avengers across all the series and ranges. I've not heard it yet, but that's intended to be the last release of this range. Before that, we're planning, after we finish The Avengers, we're planning to do The New Avengers and The Avengers film. And the movie. And I'm hoping by that point they've done an extended version. I believe the theatrical cut was ripped to ribbons. And the full cut is actually much better. But that's uh, showing no signs of being released. Perhaps we can get a, a campaign going. Well, we quite a while to go before we get there. One or two episodes, yes. So on that note, I shall sign us off. It's bye-bye to Big Finish for the time being. Thank you for the ride, guys. I am now the proud owner of a full set of those CDs, and they look very nice on my shelf. I'm going to enjoy going through them again at some point. Next week, as I say, we've got an interview with Dave Rogers, in which we'll be covering Series 1 in a lot of depth. And then we move on to Series 2. And from this point on, they all exist. So they'll all be... Hey, yes, they'll all be visual reviews. So if you want to join us on the ride, you know what order we're going to be in. But until then, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our appraisal of Series 1. We'll be back next week. Bye now. They'll be back. You can depend on it. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, with thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions, and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. Come and get those kinky boots, boots, kinky boots. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.